we're back with another episode of the Torch Mom Podcast, which aims to empower moms to live their lives to the fullest, embracing their desires and passions without guilt or judgment. Through open and honest conversations, we hope to create a space that encourages self-exploration, self-expression, and self-acceptance for all moms. Tonight, we have an incredible group to have an amazing discussion with some torch moms that are taking on risk and crushing hate daily. Welcome back, Ty, and welcome, Carla. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. You are How are you guys so doing? Welcome. I'm great. Thank yes, you. Yes, I'm well. I'm well. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited too. As you guys know, this is the final episode of season two. I am so excited. And my birthday follows up this Friday, December 1st. So that's even more exciting that I get to spend this time with you guys before my birthday. Yes, yes, it is. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Okay. So as we know, the topic is... <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So for our topic today, we're discussing mommy guilt. Breaking free from societal norms is a big thing out here. And I feel like this episode will help a lot of moms feel more comfortable to be themselves, be authentic. You know, there's no handbook to parenting. So do your own thing and feel comfortable in your truth while you're doing so. Okay. That's the whole show right there. <laughs> so <laughs> the first topic. Okay. The first topic we're going to go over tonight is exploring the origins of mommy guilt. Alright. So my first question for you guys is if you could give me each of you a name of one societal or cultural expectation that contributes to mommy guilt. Oh. Carly, you want to go first? You can yeah, go I can go first. 25. Uh, I mean, one, of course, I would say, like, um, not having enough time in the day. You know what I mean? Like, feeling like um, society expects you to be able to get it all done. You know how they put, like, a time frame on, you know, working nine to five, right? You know what I mean? I think that it's the same thing. You know, it's like, you got this amount of time and this amount of time to get it done. And if you don't get it done, then you, I don't want to say you're a bad mom, but if you don't get it done, then you could have done better. You know what I mean? That's exactly so, how they feel. Yeah, 
like it's a bad you're a bad mom so it puts the pressure on you to get it all done like a superwoman so that's my one of my biggest Yeah, that's exactly how they feel. As a matter of fact, that was one of my biggest ones too. The 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 twenty four seven is the other one that kills me. The you gotta be a mom twenty five eight, and if you are not, God forbid, you go outside with your kids more than twice a week. Everybody is looking like, well, where are her kids at? Where's she doing? How's she doing this? Is she got kids? It's like they don't expect you to breathe. Lord, if you are not, you know, doing it all day, every day, they assume that you are not doing it at all. Like on social media, I rarely post my kids. I post a lot about my business. I post a lot about me going out, having fun. I take trips. I rarely post my kids on the internet unless it's like an accomplishment. And... Or, you know, like a holiday or something like that or something mm-hmm. I'm proud of. And people will really think, like, oh, she's never with her kids. Right. Little do they know my daughter has danced five days a week. I see that child more than I probably need to, honestly. <laughs> I am back and forth at recitals, orchestra, everything. You know, I am the only parent that does doctor's appointments, Uh rehearsals, things like that. My daughter's dad does two days out the week. Um, so I am there the other five days, you know, but people assume when they don't see it that it's not happening. And that happens a lot in motherhood. If you take a vacation without your children, it's like death to us all. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say like mm-hmm. another... Mm-hmm. or would be like you know you you think about when you become a mom and you're going through you know things and and life happens and situations come up and you know society or people in your life are like well you you knew what it was when you decided to have a kid like nobody told you to get pregnant like you 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 knew what it was it's like yeah Mm -hmm. Did I? Did I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then and then the average person who is saying this has no kids. You know what I mean? They have no kids. There's no experience. So they don't even know what we're going through. So, you know, I would say that one of those stereotypes is that, you know, we mm-hmm. knew what we put ourselves into. You know what I mean? And, and 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 not even to say that now that we're in it, that we're not embracing it, but it's still like Sometimes I don't think we are given, especially as women, mm-hmm. I don't know if we are given that space to say, I don't want to do this right this second. You know, I think a lot of times we're not allowed yeah. to vent. And that's what then stimulates us to feel like we don't want to do it. Because we don't have the space to let the air out. You know, we're just building up all this pressure and we're not releasing anything. Then you get to that point where I can't do this no more. You know, whereas if we were allowed grace through the process, 
and allow to push through mm-hmm. the process and vent, we wouldn't be getting to this point where we're like, this is so hard. Because it really doesn't, I mean, it's hard, but it doesn't have to be as hard as it is without the pressure of what is expected. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Also, like, I, I you know, just I think one of the other things that stands out for me is like uh, I, the way I'm raising my kids versus the way my mom raised me is completely different. Yeah, I'm talking about completely different. And so even things that are happening mm-hmm. in the household between me and my kids, that's what's happening in our household. Like, mom, you had a husband to to help you with the traditional, you know, family things. I'm running this household alone. So my kids might be washing their own clothes and my my kids learn how to cook sooner. And and when Uber came about and I got comfortable enough with them catching Uber, yeah, they're catching catching Uber, mom. Yeah, they're (laughs) catching the train in the seventh grade. Yeah, because this is what works for us over here. So one of the stereotypes that I think as a single mom you have to pushing through is understanding and not even explaining or feeling bad about what dynamics you have created for you in your household versus what everybody else thinks we're supposed to be doing, whether that's your mom, your dad, your kids, fathers, your, your co-workers, your girlfriends, mm-hmm. know what's going on up in here. So many, so many opinions, not enough help, you know, and I think the biggest thing is that they say it takes a village, and I do, (laughs) but a village is more than um, talking, you know, and opinions. It's more like help, and I actually had to, me and my mother had this conversation the other day, because I was correcting my daughter. She had left her pocketbook in the classroom and they had locked the doors and all of that. And I was outside waiting and she didn't come outside and tell me. So I kind of was worried. I had to go into school looking for her. And I'm on the phone with my mother the whole time. And, you know, I'm in there correcting her. And like, how did you leave your, your pocketbook? Like, what were you, most of the time she's talking to her friends and all of that and got distracted. So I'm telling her, like, you know, like, you could have came and told me at the car so I wouldn't be worried that my mother's like well no 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 you know you don't and I had to tell my mom like listen you have to understand that what worked for you or the empathy and the you know whatever you feel because that's your grandchild now you're looking on the outside looking in and you can tell me how to do it don't forget how you know if I lost the bow rat at school, you know, it was over. You know, okay, <laughs> you in trouble. Yes, so just, you in big know, trouble. I think, I think it's a lot like they have opinions and they want to teach you how to do it, but it's like listen here, you know, like, we got you know I try so I try to explain it to her because my mother is. Her anxiety about the kids' feelings and all of that gets high. So I try to explain nicely to her, like, hey, you know, I'm doing this, you know, and unless you want to come and pick her up every day at 325 and wait 20 minutes. That part. 
that part. <laughs> Until that she finds her pocketbook once a week. You know? <laughs> I need you to go ahead and stay on the other end of this phone. Stay over there. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. 100%. Me and my mom stay going back and forth about that. We was, like you said, going back and forth about it today. So I get it. <laughs> Man, so all right, I appreciate you guys, and you guys went right on through and answered the next question, adding in with you know how it ends up manifesting in a day to day life for moms because that was going to be the next question, and you guys definitely pulled that out the bag because that's what happens for most, for some, maybe for all, you know, we don't know till they come and share with us, but. You're not by yourself. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're not by yourself. And before I had my time of being a homeschool mom, you know, listen, I had to pay for drivers to make sure that they got my baby to school and I couldn't be in that car. I had to go to work. I couldn't be there to ride to school with her and be there to walk her in the doors every day. Sometimes I could, I sometimes I couldn't, you know? So... <laughs> Yeah. Because wouldn't we all like to do okay. that? You know, like I would love to be able to, you know, take my daughter to school and walk her to a class or whatever, you know, walk her to pack her lunch every day. And, you know, all of that stuff sounds nice. But for a working single mom, it's not even for even if you're not honestly even if you're not a single mom because a lot of people think it's just for single mothers but it's really not you know just for a mom that can, even if you are not working being able to dedicate 24/7 of your time is not gonna, it's not possible you know it's just like unless you you know and the people have, who have done it who have done 25 8 our grandparents and great grandparents who all they did was take care of the house was stressed you know like and, and unfortunately in mm -hmm. today's society mm -hmm. we don't have that option what I have liked to keep you know my husband and my family together sure but it's not always possible, so you got to make do with what you got. That's just how it happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you said, even not for single moms, because it's two of us over here. And it's still it's two of hard. us over here, you know, and it, <laughs> it'll hurt sometimes when we both know at the same time. Shoot. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, my, uh, my, my, okay. I still, still co-parent with him and, um, even then it gets hard, you know, when I, you know, we don't live in the same household and at the end of the day, you are the main person in that household. And so when everything, when nobody can make it or somebody got to work late, mom's got to figure it out at the end of the day. It's just, we are the go-to second planners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Listen, let me, let me, let me the, the word co-parenting right now is Triggered so you just now. <laughs> triggering because 
I'm telling you, like, I am in a situation, you know what I mean, right now with my daughter and her dad, and she's 14. And I made a post yesterday. It says, the co and co-parenting stands for more than monthly child support and weekend visitations. It stands for communicating, connecting, contributing, continuously. Consistently. Consistently. You got that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to add that back. I'm going to add that on there. I was looking for co-words all day. Cooperation. <laughs> One of my homeboys said he was like, accountability. All of it. Anything with a CO. Put it in there. Like, what? I'm telling you because co-parenting, I don't know, at some point my daughter's father and all all ignorant guys think like this. When they get a certain age and get a phone, I don't got to talk to the mother. It's like, do you realize that in order to even get your daughter to come outside, you have to get permission from me. So I'm not trying to like, main establish this control i'm just trying to show you the value of us having a healthy communication that's that's the value in it because your child she or he sees this and they mimic that in their relationships no matter whether it's romantic whether it's you know a friendship whatever it is they will lack yeah. that uh healthy mm -hmm. communi communication skill you know what I mean? And I got to fight against that. You over there acting like a mm -hmm. what you are. And I'm over here trying to grow from who I once was for whatever reason why I chose you. So as I'm sitting here trying to outgrow that, you're still maintaining that mentality. mentality. Like, come on. It takes more than just calling your daughter or picking up a pair of shoes here and there to cope and that really contributes to mommy guilt too because we feel like we gotta you know do better do more we gotta then go further than we really want to honestly because we, we can physically because 10 no I mean when I mm -hmm. say co-parenting I mean with my ex but that's not either one of my kids father that is just a man that's been around my kids for the last seven years and I actually co-parent with him, you know, like, but their actual fathers, I cannot. And my daughter's father is actually very much the same. She is 10 and he feels like he does not have to communicate with me. Um, he doesn't even respond to text messages at this point. Uh, I send messages and he, I'm sure he gets them and he just follows suit with whatever I said, but, you know, he doesn't respond. He doesn't reach out. He doesn't help with, you know, that he, he deals strictly with her. If she say, daddy, can you buy me lunch today? He door dashes lunch. If she say, you know, like any, whatever she wants, but as far as like taking care of her, no. That doesn't happen, you know, and so having I had to really and I learned this with my son's father, he is 16 and that man is non existent. I promise you, if I seen him on the street, he could be on fire. I probably wouldn't even notice. It's just, <laughs> it's just the way it is, you know. But 
I've had to learn with him to really mm-hmm. just let mm-hmm. it go. Yeah. You know, I had to really let go of that control. And I also, it took until I got with my ex to really decide to stop trying to control it. You know, stop trying to force the communication. Stop trying yeah. to force the co-parenting because mm-hmm. it just makes it worse. Yeah. And it makes it worse on me as a mom because, prime example, if we have a Christmas list, that our daughter sends to both of us and I say I'm getting this and you say you're getting that and then you don't get it. Now as a mom, two days, three days before Christmas, I feel like I got to run around like a chicken with my head cut off because God forbid she don't have what's on her list. You know, all of that contributes to being Mm -hmm. a mom, you know, Mm because we feel like we got to pick up that slack and now and I'm fussing at you to show you that you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's just a lot. Yes. It's way too much. Yes. <laughs> that is the day-to-day life of a single parent, even in a household, because me and my ex didn't always see eye to eye. You know, we didn't always see eye to eye when it came to co-parenting, especially because I, I'm more lenient and he's more of a, I call him a tyrant, you know, but they see it as he think it's respect. So, you know, whatever works for them, you know, like, I just be like, all right, but like, he is like cutthroat. This is it. And he can walk in the room and, and blink and everybody just shut up. So I, you know, but, you know, and I'm more like lenient and I allow the kids to talk and express themselves. And, you know, so we don't always see eye to eye. So even living in that same household, when you are arguing. I think the biggest thing for me and my ex right now is when we are not on good terms, on speaking terms, we still have to be able to co-parent for the children's sake, which I think is really good of him considering they're not his biological kids, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's still hard regardless. And as a mom, if we're not speaking now, and I feel like I'm just going to go do everything by myself because I don't need nobody, <laughs> you know? And it just, you know, being that mom and, you know, having to carry that burden alone, even when <laughs> you have people feeling like you got to yep. do it alone because I ain't got to deal with this. It's, it's a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, it is. It really is. And, and then to piggyback mm-hmm. on that, like the guilt that you feel for what they're not doing, um, but to dig deeper and, and go, to go even deeper than that guilt and to go into the guilt that you feel for, for choosing them as the father in the first place, you know what I mean? For where you were in your life mm. when you decided to open up yourself to somebody that you probably knew back then didn't deserve you, but you weren't strong enough emotionally like and mentally decision so that guilt that you feel is so much more internal and it's like a hurt a deep guilt and hurt you feel to your to the obligation that you have to your child yes and i'm telling you listen Mm -hmm. my son is 16 Mm -hmm. and i i just sent him away to military school and i think the biggest problem for me um was that guilt because i knew when I was pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant, his father was not going to be able, I mean, the whole time during my pregnancy, 
early on he couldn't keep a job he couldn't you know he was still partying you know doing all you know and I was pregnant working two jobs you know so I I think as my son I tried to give him the world and he lacked that discipline from me because I was so busy trying to fill the void of a missing father you know and not only is it the guilt from oh he's not here but now it's the guilt of I knew he wasn't going to be here you know so but then when my ex came around by that time my mm-hmm. son was nine, and he had already developed you know his own personality his own everything it made it that much harder for my ex to kind of come in and take over as my daughter was two, you know, so she was still young. That's her father. That's her father, you know, but my my son was already older. And so mm-hmm. by the time at 16, we struggled, I struggled a lot with releasing that guilt and that control because in my mind, it was me and him against the world. No matter who was around, no matter who came, it was always me and my son against the world. And I'm going to make sure I protect him. But that was that guilt that I had. Sending him away to military school, I'm telling you, child, I cried, 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 cried all the way up to Aberdeen, okay? I was in tears going, coming back. But it was the best thing for him. And, you know, my ex forced me to do that. Um and that's one of the good things about co-parenting with somebody. But when you know that that biological father mm-hmm. is not around as a mom, you're going to try to do both. I tried to, you know, he had the biggest Christmases, the biggest birthdays, the biggest all of this. You know, he rarely got in trouble. Anything he asked for, he wanted. And meanwhile, he was struggling. And I was so busy trying to fill the void in sports, putting him in this, putting him in that getting them therapists when none of that was working because he wanted his father. He wanted to know why his father didn't want him. Exactly. Even till today mm-hmm. at 16, I promise you, that's one of his biggest things. His father is his kryptonite. And that's something that, you know, my ex said, that's something that he's going to have to work out within himself. Yeah. And, you know, your guilt on that is not going to change how he feels about it. You can't you can't buy him, you know, a dad. You know, it's just it is what it is. But as a mom, you mm-hmm. feel that deep down inside because one, you want to protect your child. Yeah. Two, you know, you are especially when you're an active parent, you're gonna feel guilty. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, and it doesn't change um, mm-hmm. you know, after they get older mm-hmm. because you know, my daughter's dad. I'm close with his older children and, you know, my daughter, she's, they call her the golden child, you know, as the one child that they still, you know, that the father tries to, you know, my daughter. have a relationship with. But the reality of it is he's not doing anything different with her than he was doing with any of them. You know, she just hasn't got to the age where she's just getting to the age now where she understands. She sees him. She knows a zebra is a zebra. A zebra has black and white stripes and she can see it with her own eyes, you know. And so now, you know, okay. and listening to like and listening to his older kids, his daughter who's like 25, 
she says, I got daddy issues. You know, she was like, you know, him not being there for me is showing up. That is showing how it, how it makes her feel is showing up in every relationship in her life. You know, she said in her romantic relationship, you know what I mean, in her friendships, she's like her lack of a relationship with her father has led to her not knowing how to communicate in a healthy way with other people. And she says she's yearning for a healthy relationship with him. Like she speaks, like, I wish I could have a relationship with him. But one of the things that a lot of guys don't understand is that your children want to know that you will fight for them no matter, even if they reject them. Because she's like, you know, like, yeah, he might call a couple of times and I don't answer. And then he'll then he'll stop calling. You know, he might call and we don't I don't agree with what he says. And then he won't call no more. But she's like she wants him to fight for her. And when and a child really, like you're not going to fight for them, you know what I mean? And you don't want tell me them. that I mean something to you. Mean something to you, even if yeah. even if you have to take a little bit of hurt and rejection that I'm giving you, because and I don't what know. They don't understand. They don't is that, yeah, well, and, and what they don't understand is that then that then carries over to okay. how they raise their children. Yeah, the men that they choose to raise their children. Yes, and it, it's mm -hmm. a continuous cycle. I don't think we can ever break out mm -hmm. of societal norms. Until we break out of the mentalities that we have. And yes, as women, we are held accountable for the men we choose. And but we also have trauma, just like men have trauma. You right. know, and the same exact thing with my daughter's father. He has older kids that he isn't that he has no contact with. And um you know, my daughter is looked at as, you know, the the, the lucky one. Everybody always right. says, oh, he stayed around her the longest. And, but they have no idea, number one, what the struggle is to keep that man around, you know, just to be able to force myself to try and communicate, you know. All, they the, don't try, all, all the trying that we're doing. To make it happen. We're really the ones fostering the relationship. Yep. And, they, and, and so what they don't understand is mm -hmm. as men, when you decide that you don't want to be a part of your child's life, male or female, and then they go off and they have kids, but especially the girls, mm -hmm. we feel like we then are responsible to do better than what our father or even mother did. That alone creates the mommy guilt. Because now you know, you feel like you got to take on everything and do it completely different than what your parents did because my dad wasn't around. I'm going to make sure I'm going to be, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E. And then you leave out the other parts. Like a lot of fathers think child support or giving money is the way to show up because growing up, they watch their mother struggle. Yeah. So... They give money, but they don't give time, and they leave those mothers to then bear the emotional and and, and 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 physical raising of that child. And of course, we're gonna do it <laughs> because who else is gonna do it? But they don't understand the generational pain that it really causes. 
and specifically on mothers. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like too. Sorry, I thought you were stopping, but I wanted to say that, that I feel like when it comes to the children, we always think that if the dads aren't around or if we don't allow them in their lives, that they're really going to be messed up, you know, like everything is going to be ruined or what have you. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like that's a condition that really needs to be broken so the cycle can change. If that makes sense, because yeah, even for me, you know, I'm a lesbian okay, and my daughter definitely has a dad. Um, did I think he was going to be there when I had my daughter? Of course I did. You know, we had a great relationship before her. We weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. Yes, fine and dandy. But we had a great relationship and that changed as soon as the baby came in the picture. That was unexpected expected for me now as you said before it takes a village to raise a child so i started to create my own village right was that village actually safe for my child no so i had to really think about the emotions that my child was going to have to go through consistently if i kept that going on to beg the dad to come to take her to wendy's and go to the convenience store for 20 minutes if that's what I continuously wanted or every other year he would come and take her to the park for, you know, 30 minutes and then bring her back home with some McDonald's, which I don't even feed her. Exactly. So it was just things that I had to break off. And did I feel guilty? Yes, because society says that a, a daughter or a son and whatever have you, whatever gender the child is needs that father in their life to be successful or have the abundance that they deserve right i don't agree with that i feel like if you don't want to be there then i'm not going to force you to be there right because i'm going to make sure that i do what i have to do to show her what's different around here you know, that was the biggest thing for me as a mom. So then I just let the guilt go because at the end of the day, I'm the 24-7 parent. Yep. Y'all just back up. I'm in control of everything. And honestly, no matter how much So I broke try, free from doing what everybody felt was needed for them. <laughs> and honestly, no matter how much you try to make that parent be a parent if they don't want to be a parent sometimes it causes more damage and you feel more guilt because my son is 16 and i remember at three me dropping him off on his father's doorstep like you want to take him because i gotta go to work and this is your child too and us going back and forth i remember it so clearly mm -hmm. me and his girlfriend at the time used to have to uh, co-parent together you know to force him to be a part of his son's life and it got to the point where I just stopped yep. you know and the only thing that I struggle with mm -hmm. Tia is that thought I, I think I still struggle with the idea that or maybe not now but I did for so long struggle with the idea that he needed his father in order to be successful. 
he needed to have that male, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think by creating that, by forcing mm -hmm. his father in his life or by allowing him to be in and out so much, I honestly feel like that's what really created this void that mm -hmm. he has. Yep. Because he had men around, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm a firm believer in you can't miss what you never had, right? So... Mm -hmm. If I wasn't so busy forcing him right. onto his father or allowing him to be in and out, in and out, at once a year, you come around, like you say, come around and get him, or you you buy him a toy and you know show up, and then Christmas birthdays you miss. Those are traumatizing to mm -hmm. kids that are expecting that parent to yep. show up, and instead mm. of us listening to society saying you gotta make it work you gotta co-parent you gotta do this because my mother was famous for that you gotta you can't tell him no you can't tell him he can't come and I was boggled down with that but now at 16 I see how my son relies mm -hmm. so much on that relationship and not only does he rely on it when it doesn't happen he makes excuses mm -hmm or sometimes blames me or himself for why it's not happening. It just creates more trauma. You know what I mean? And then as a mom, I'm still feeling like 16 yeah. years later, I got to pick up the pieces, you know, and make it better. And it's like, you know, have mm -hmm. we, like you said, mm -hmm. have we broken away from that norm of they need the No, what they need is a parent that wants to be in their life. Yeah. You know, like other than that, yeah. it's gonna cause more yeah. damage. <laughs> mhm. Mm and I had to learn that the hard way of my daughter running down the Waldorf streets of Maryland by herself while I'm in Virginia. So if anybody knows the DMV area and how that sounds, mm -hmm. okay. I'm that far away from my child. Okay. And she's by herself at the time. Anasia was five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know my heart was in my ass? Mm -hmm. After and, and that, that was it for me. Yeah. And, 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 and taking my away daughter that was only important to me. That's right. Yes. Yes. Because if not, I wouldn't have no hair. I cut my hair on my own. I didn't want to lose hair for that. <laughs> and that was me really doing it yeah. to myself at that point. Yeah. Shoot. Listen. Sometimes, like, so, I was thinking the same. I the was thinking. Of it is, is a big deal. Yep. I was thinking the same thing when, you know, this this Thanksgiving when my daughter um, went to um, Thanksgiving at her dad's house. She was at my mom's house with me and I, I was hosting Thanksgiving and I was cooking pretty much all the food at my mom's house. And she wanted to go, you know, past her dad's house and was the aunt's house where her, where her dad was. Mind you, they're not really talking at the time. But, I, you know, I think she wanted to kind of go over there and, you know, kind of make peace. And one of their uncles had just passed away. So she really was just going to pay her respects. Mm -hmm. But she told me, like, Mom, I'm going to take a friend with me. My best friend is going to come with me. So mm -hmm. it's no tension. 
But when she got there, it was already tension. She had an altercation with a couple family members and they was picking on her. And you know how older cousins pick on you and bother you. And they was kind of doing that and it irritated her. Long story short, it got back to me that my daughter was being disrespectful mm -hmm. and this and that. And he really just made it a big thing. And instead of having a conversation with her about it, he, he texts me. Mind you, I remember I told y'all he don't call. He doesn't text. He normally only contacts her. But he wanted to, you know, reach out and text me and tell me about, you know, how she's disrespectful and rude and this and that. And mind you, I know that's not my child. She goes to an academic high school. She's a great girl. You know, I mean, real, she has an innocent side to her. Of course, she has a little sassiness to her. But that's 14. That's what 14 looks like. And honestly, if you knew your child, right, or if you knew parenting in general, Bingo. And you would know how to handle a 14-year-old. Or at the end of the day, you're a child. You know Bingo. what I mean? Like you yes. wouldn't have to call me to tell me you would be able to handle handle the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> it just it just it just What's going stamped. On? It's stamped that at this time, at this day and age, she is no longer obligated to go nowhere around none of them. I'm like, if you don't want to never go with your dad again, I don't care. If you don't want to never call this this man again, I don't mm -hmm. care. I had to catch myself because I was definitely about to call him out his name. What but this is the thing, and that's another norm that we fight against because then it makes us look like we're the problem, right? Because we say, oh, if you don't want to call him, if you don't want to call him, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. And then we look like we're the problem. Yeah, we look but like the bad guy. The real thing is, the real problem is that that father doesn't fight to be in that child's life, even when that child becomes difficult. Yep. And for that reason, you know, my son went away to military school mm -hmm. in June, July. He went away July 15th. He was living with his father at the time um, because we had some social service issues with him and my daughter. He has autism. So um, we decided to put him in military school because that living situation wasn't working. Um, he went away July 15th. His father answered the phone one time for him since he's been away. He's still away. And wrote him zero letters. Now, I did my part as the parent. I sent him all the information here. He only calls home every two weeks, but you can write him also, you know, just to let him know you're thinking about him, all of that. He didn't write him. He hasn't done anything. Um, he has this thing about guilt tripping my son, making him feel like, oh, you know, I got so much going on. I'm doing blah, blah, blah. I wish I could be there for you. Right. So when he came home for the holidays, um, he had told my son, you know, make sure you check your voicemails. I've been leaving you mm. messages every day. And one of the messages was like, well, um, you know, I'm going to be looked at as neglectful because I won't reach out to your mom and, um, you know, get your information. And it's like, but I gave you the information <laughs> already back in July, you know, but those are the type of games that they play when they don't want the responsibility because yep. it's as simple as writing a letter or, you know, mm -hmm. answering the phone. My son called him every two weeks when he got home or texting me and say, hey, Ty, this is my new number. 
please give this to, to our son or whatever, you know. Um, but when he came home for Thanksgiving, he said, oh, you know, he called his aunt and he said, you know, if you talk to my father, tell him to call me. His father called and said, hey, maybe if y'all not doing nothing for Thanksgiving, you can come with me to see the family. Absolutely not. And I said it. <laughs> Absolutely not. And won't. Because he's been gone since July and you didn't even reach out to him. Now you think you're about to take him around your family to showboat what a great child he is? Absolutely not. He hasn't been home in four months and he's going to be with me. Right. The person that's been taking care of him (laughs) and making sure he was okay for the last four months. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And he didn't even... (laughs) I really didn't understand. You know, my son, obviously, my son knows my stance. And at one point, it was a Where thing. was his mind at? I'm not, I don't, I, it, it, you know, and my son didn't even ask, honestly. My son already knew the answer, so he didn't even ask. But, yeah, yeah because right. it's like, why do you think that you get that privilege? So that's where I'm at now with it. It's like, you're going to see him when it's good for us. Because we're tired of you seeing him when it's good for you. So, you know, I can't, I might, you know, at this age, my son knows his father, mm-hmm. he knows what it is. But mm-hmm. as a mom, I still feel like, you know, I'm a little protective. And because I still have that guilt, I can only do what I can do now. And what you're not about to do is go showboat my wonderful 16 year old off to your family like you done, done something special over here. That's what's not going to happen. <laughs> He will not be a trophy son if I can help it until he get good and grown and want to be. So, okay. So let's go to topic number two, right? Overcoming comparison and judgment. Hmm. How does comparing ourselves to other moms contribute to mommy guilt? Mm -hmm. Girl, I can just start with my mom. Like I said before, like, I'm nowhere near the mom my mother was. I'm not even going to lie. You know what I mean? So sometimes I... And, and like I said before, like my mom and my dad been married pretty much my whole life. You know, they got married when I was probably, I think I was like maybe two. And then, but all I've ever known is for them to be married, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had m- multiple times I've said to myself, like, I would have never thought that at 41, coming from a background of a mom and a dad and the typical, you know, even my parents was in the military. We was in, I lived in Italy. I lived in New York and, you know, we traveled all the things that I thought I would use to my advantage in order to be, you know, living the traditional life. I didn't, I was the child who did everything different. My, my brother, he recently graduated with his degree. I went to college. I didn't finish school. My brother, he recently got married not too long ago. He got the white, the, the house with the white picket fence. I got the house, but ain't no husband here. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm doing this on my own, you know. And I have two. I got two kids, 
two different baby fathers, you know what I mean? I had a baby uh, and didn't go back to college, you know? So all the, the things that, you know, you would think that a woman who came from a traditional good background wouldn't do, I did, you know? And so I sometimes struggle with, you know, the guilt that I feel from not providing my kids with the lifestyle or the household lifestyle that I live. Cause I still, I, my kids got more stuff, more stuff than I ever had. Let me tell you something with my kids being in the same, even, even though I was in the same household with my, with my parents, uh, shopping on a regular basis. What are you talking about? They did it on purpose. No, on purpose. We don't yeah, even know. Yeah. That <laughs> like, my mom's answer to everything, whether it was, whether she thought about it or not was we'll see. And we, me and my brother had developed an understanding mm -hmm. that we'll see meant no. It just meant no. And I needed her to, if, unless she said yes, we'll see meant no. Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up in that era, even though my parents, you know, and, and when I first was growing up, they didn't have no money, you know, but both my parents, they worked their way up in their field and they had money. You know what I mean? They definitely had money. They ended up having a nice house nice jobs and whatnot, but I didn't, I wasn't overly indulged in things because I wasn't overly exposed. So I had nice things. Yes. But thousand dollar tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. $500 bags. No. You know what I mean? $250 hairstyles every two, three, two months braids that only last 30 days. My mother, first of all, mm -hmm. I had braids that last 90 days. My mother could braid, so baby, my braids, if she didn't do them and I went somewhere else randomly, like just as a privilege, it, because mostly my mother did every braid you could think of. She figured out how to do every braid. So if I went somewhere else and got it done, she would be like, girl, you ain't getting that hair done. Take out them first two, three rows. Yeah, let's do this I'll, I'll, I'll re-braid those. <laughs> and that's what we're on month three. Yeah. Yeah. So the things that kids are getting now, you know, because like you said, because of the mommy guilt we may feel or because of the overexposure that they have access to in social media and school and whatnot. Um, you know, it doesn't compare to what we were getting, but it still, you know, leaves me feeling guilty about not providing them with the, ex the same style, you know, lifestyle that my mom, you know, provided me with. So I would definitely use that as a comparison. Yeah, and for me, it was the exact opposite. Um, my mom, I grew up in an abusive household. My dad wasn't around. Um, when I was 13, 12 or 13, I think I was 13, I wound up living with my great aunt who took me on. She, she was my foster I used to call her my foster grandmother because she had a daughter who was, you know, who I looked at as my mom. So from all, my my entire high school years, I lived with a whole new family. Like I had built my own little new family. Um, so and my grandmother used to always say, you know, well, that's your mother. You only had one mother. So you need to make that relationship work. And although I tried to make that relationship work, and I think I do for the most part. I don't look at it as a mother-daughter relationship or like the traditional mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. Um, so for me, the comparison for so long mm -hmm. was doing the exact opposite of whatever 
She did. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time trying mm-hmm. to do everything completely different. And I can honestly say maybe over mm-hmm. the last year or two, um, I realized that in trying to do everything completely different, I ended up exactly like her in other areas of my life. Um, for example, she the only time mm-hmm. she ever said I love you was when we went to bed. It was a good night ritual, you know, give you a hug and kiss, love you, good night, go to bed. That was the only time she would ever say I love you. So I made sure I always shower my kids with affection. Um, I wasn't allowed to talk. I wasn't allowed to express my feelings. I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't even allowed to journal. <laughs> um, you know, she found my journal one day and it was like, it's the devil and threw it away and I couldn't write a journal never again in life, you know, so I allow my kids to fully express their self. Um, just anything you can think of. I, um, mm-hmm. you know, she was physically abusive and my son is a different story. Okay. He didn't got his ass whipped a couple times, more than a few, you know, especially when my ex came into the picture, just go ahead, go ahead and deal with him. Cause I don't even know, you know, but <laughs> uh, so he's a different story, but even with him beating him or, you know, uh, when he used to get like beatings with like a belt and stuff like that, it would hurt my heart. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, I used to I used to go in the room like anxiety, like for real, you know. And my daughter, she is, um, she's so she's just an mm-hmm. belt, so it does, you know. She's never, I've never had to touch her. I barely raise my voice to her. She's very expressive, and I allow her to. The only time, you know, now she's getting into that you know, grown phase. So I got to raise my voice a little bit more than normal. (laughs) But, you know, I try to do everything completely different. Mm -hmm. Like, kidding is a last resort. Um, We're going to talk in this household. You're going to express what you, you know, sometimes my ex used to be upset because it's like, why are we asking them what they want for dinner? You know, like, why they not just eating what we make and that's it, you know, or why they get to choose where they want to go at, you know, to do ABC. Why why are we not just sending them? And I'm like, because it matters. You know, but I spent so much time doing that, comparing myself to my mom on that mm-hmm. end, that I realized that I missed a lot of other things for myself. So in turn, I, I wound up okay. feeling just as my mother, which I now know, she suffers from anxiety and all types of things. And I wound up feeling just as burnt out trying to do everything opposite of her and focusing on that versus just focusing on being a parent. You know, my goal was to make sure, you know, I put them in every sport. My son was in everything you could mm-hmm. from basketball to karate to football to, be- I mean, everything. He did soccer. All of it, whatever you could think of. You know, my daughter, she has dance. I pushed them at my I wasn't ever allowed to be in extra school activities. Um, for one, my mother worked late. And then by, by the time I got in high school, she didn't want me after school hanging out with my friends. Like it was that type of structure, you know. So here I go 
put put your kids in everything. You know, it burnt me out at an early age because I was steady trying to compare myself mm-hmm. to what she was doing. And then my friends around me didn't have kids. Um, everybody went to college and I went to community mm-hmm. college and I wound up having, you know, my son and I stopped going. Then when I went back, I worked two jobs and took care of him while I went to school full time. My life was different than every than all of my friends. You know, when it was time to go out, I wasn't going out. I didn't celebrate my birthday like everybody normally did at 21 and all of that. Like it wasn't none of that, you know. And so it was kind of hard because then by the time my best friend had her daughter, um, my son was about four, five, six, I don't know. He was all, you know, but I was just starting to kind of um, take a deep breath, <laughs> you know, and I was exhausted and watching her be a mom, even now, our kids, her daughter is like a year older than mine. She takes her kids. I mean, they go on trips, they do little field trips. She's also a teacher. So, you know, she, I mean, she does they, they they go traveling for cheerleading. I mean, it's a whole to do. And sometimes watching that mm-hmm. and me feeling so burnt out because I was doing all of this stuff way back when, you know, now I'm too burnt out to do that. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and my vacations are mine. <laughs> you know, like, when I take a vacation, we've gone to Disney World or we might go to the beach. <laughs> or when I went to Paris, I went alone. You hear me? When I went to Cancun, it was not with kids. When no. I went to Jamaica, you know, like, I'm not taking... And I have been a firm believer. I am a mom 24-7. When I go on a vacation, I bring that child back something. Do you hear me? She can have what you need, what you want. From uh, I'm going to Jamaica. Ah, <laughs> What's your gift? What kind of gift you want from here? Because that's all I got for you. Like, I mean, you know. That's it. That's all I got. That's I'm with got you. Listen, I'm with you on that. Because you know you what? Kids on a vacation, you need a vacation from the vacation. Please. You know, and now they're older, so it's fine. But, like, when I used to take cruises, my son was, like, two or three, and he had ADHD. At the time, we didn't really know he had autism, but we knew he was on the spectrum of some sort. My anxiety to put him on a boat, please, I wouldn't enjoy the trip at all. Like, no, we're not getting on this boat. Both of us can't get on the boat. Either you can get on the boat, or I'm going on the boat. (laughs) We ain't getting on here together. No, we're not. You know, but stuff like that. And now that I'm really coming into my own and I'm healing all my own childhood traumas and all of that, I do enough as a parent. And that's what sometimes I think we compare ourselves. You know, these parents that do take their kids on trips and they have a nanny or they, you know, they do all these family things together. I know at least for my best friend, she she takes, I mean, she takes trips by herself, but they do a lot of traveling together as a family. And sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. But I have to realize that I'm enough for them as it is. You know, I do enough as a mom as it is that I deserve time when I want time. 
yeah, when I want to take my time, I deserve that time. Yeah. I don't have to take them on every vacation just because the next person do it. Or again, that's one of the things where society says, oh, you know, they, they need to go on vacation. They want to experience this. That my child, I'm the only experience past when I did at 31. Okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> this is too much. Like you got a little bit of money to put up. When you got a little, you know how much time is, <laughs> like what is going on? You know, and, and, you and, go and, together. and right. And the thing is, that was my dream. You know, but when you have kids, you all you have all of a sudden you don't have dreams. All of a sudden you don't get to accomplish the things that you wanted to. You know, Paris was a really big deal for me. I wanted to go before I was 30. I didn't. I Well, I wanted to go by the time I turned 30. I went at 30 before I turned 31. But that was my dream. It wasn't their dream. You know, like, it, it just was something for me. So it's like, as parents, as moms, sometimes... Uh, once we become moms, it's said even back in the day, you could have had a career. And when you become a mom, now the dads expect you to take, you know, stop working, raise the kids, all of that. And even now, they don't necessarily expect you to stop working, but they still expect you to be a mom 25-8. Put your dreams on the back burner. Don't go, well, you got a kid now, so probably can't go to school, probably can't do this. Probably, you know, I wanted to be a journalist out of, out of high school, but... I got pregnant my first year of community college and I couldn't be a journalist because you have to start off being a um an intern. So now I can't be an intern because I got a baby. You know, so I need money. You know, those are just, just one way of where we have to put our dreams mm -hmm. on hold and you know, while I'm watching everybody else around me live their life. I had to figure out how to be a single parent at 19. And now at 36, everybody is doing all of this mommy and me stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I had did that. That's that's good. Like, you know, like I'm gonna go ahead, you know, I'm I'm going outside because <laughs> this is stressful. But <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, the mommy you know, I'm definitely one of those parents that take my baby with me, you know, Everywhere. and Everywhere. I was feeling guilty when I didn't take her with me. My baby is everywhere with me. She right there with that nanny. I'm still going out to go, okay, to the mm -hmm. and I'm going to be back when I'm done. Mm-hmm. And that's that. <laughs> Period. Period. But okay. then you have to find Carla, a way I have a you quick question figure out how it's going to work for you. Like, you have to figure it out. And what would happen if we just decided mm -hmm. we can't do nothing? Like, golly. Like, what's I, I mean, I don't know where I would be right now today. My son is 16. I mean, I've been a parent for almost 17 years. I don't know where I would be if I just decided that I could do nothing else but be a parent forever yeah. until they were grown. Like, right. I wouldn't be able to survive, right. even if I had to take them, because there's some times that when we went I mean, Lord, I mean, like, we, you know, we went to Florida, we went to, you know, when me and my ex first got together, we used to go 
we were famous for like going to the beaches and stuff like that. I took my daughter to Disney World one year and her little four-year-old self was not impressed. Okay. You know how much Disney World costs? <laughs> I think that's when I decided that I was now tripping alone. Because <laughs> I did not appreciate all this Disney World money. I don't spend. I think it was like three hundred dollars a person to get in that dead going park or whatever it was. And I right. was not impressed, honey, and did not want to walk. She did not want to do nothing. And that's when I realized that it's us. It's us who have oh, that nothing. that guilt of we gotta make sure. But when that child was like, I'm ready to go 20 minutes into Disney World, honey, I was like, oh, this will be it. <laughs> You're out now for her, uh, for her, what was it? She turned 10 this year. So for her ninth birthday, I, she loves the water. For her ninth birthday, I took her to Miami, um, to Miami Beach and she loves art. They have an art district there. Mm -hmm. So I took her to my her and one of her friends. Mm -hmm. I took her to Miami. She stayed on the water. We went to the art district. She lived in the water for four days and we came back home. You know, like that that was a trip for her. You know, and so I don't mind doing it, but when it's for her, you know, my <laughs> trips are for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what I think we have to differentiate is you don't have to feel guilty because you, you're you not doing it the way everybody else is doing it. You know, because people would think, they see me, I'm always and people say, I travel all the mm -hmm. time. Like, I'll be gone. Okay? I will get up for a weekend and just decide I'm out of here. But you know, I do do things with them, but I just don't do them the way that everybody else does yes. and it right. took me a long time to decide that I don't have to. Yeah, because that guilt that wears on you when you don't, you yeah. know, when you see everybody else kids on the Disney cruise and you know all dressed up in matching family outfits, <laughs> it gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, Carla, my question for you is, if this is your first time being on the podcast, what does Torch Mom mean to you? So, I think when you think about the the term torch, you know, I'm, it, I'm sure it probably has, um, you know, specific acronyms that it stands for. But when I think about torch, I think about, you know, something lit. Okay, something lit, uh, and it's a, a, a light, a flame, you know what I mean? And when you think about, uh, put the two words together, torch mom, you know what I mean? A mother that is on fire, you know what I mean? On fire for her kids, um, you know, on fire for, you know, you know whatever it is that she's passionate about, um, but more, more in particular, uh, just being excited and being ignited about motherhood, you know, about being the best version of yourself so you can be a torch mom, so you can be lit, so you can be the light, you know, in, in your children's lives, you know, and so you can even be the light 
in other women's lives like you know we're sharing with each other right now the light and the love i mean this is a this a lit this a lituation right here you know what i mean <laughs> so you know, to me that torch represents just it's like a community you know what i mean of women uh, a safe space uh for women who consider themselves to be on fire you know for motherhood I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And with that being said, we're going to move into this next topic. Okay. Of self-care and prioritizing needs. Baby. Now, you know, that's my favorite subject is self-care. Honey, I got that thing. That's my shit naive right there. Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, self-care is so important. <laughs> self-care is so important yes. for real life. So, but... sorry. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. It is. So do you guys feel that it's okay for moms to prioritize their own needs and then why or why not? Without the side of society in place. I don't want you to answer this question with society being in your brain cells. I want you to answer this question as you, yourself, the mom that you are. Do you feel that it's okay for you to prioritize your own needs? Why or why not? Yeah. I mean, I think so. And I think, like, Ty kind of um, you know, tapped into that topic when she talked about, you know, going out of town, you know, and finding times for herself without feeling guilty about it and really just, you know, understanding that she needs that, you know what I mean, in order to, you know, keep going. And for me, it's the same way. Like, self-care, I don't play with my self-care. I might wake up one day and just be at King Spa. You know what I mean? I don't care what not, what else I had going on. I don't care. My mental comes first. I might wake up one day and just go do some retail therapy. I done took the money that I said I was going to get my daughter for getting her nails done Friday. And now I done bought me a pair of shoes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. One of the reasons why I know that self-care, I think the reason why I'm so comfortable doing it is because I've been an entrepreneur for 12, 12, 13 years now, right? And that has been so trying, okay? It has had its ups, its downs, its roller coasters. And I've been doing this full time. So in the beginning, I was pushing, pushing, pushing myself. I never even took time to look up. And when I looked up, five, six years done went by. And my shoulder's tight. I ain't had a massage in four years. I ain't done nothing for myself. I ain't been out of town. And so I just decided, yeah, nothing. So I decided, like, listen, self-care is going to be a part of my weekly regimen. And even if it's something as simple as lighting my Libra camera candle and drinking my Wawa tea. And this is actually some tea that I made for myself. You know what I mean? But those little things, something as little as uh, uh, you know, a, a candlelight bubble bath to something as big as getting flued out 
Please, I fly myself out in a heartbeat. You hear me? Yes. Even if it's myself flying myself out, you know what I mean? It's better when you're getting flued out. But but the point of the matter is you got to do what you got to do for you. And sometimes it it takes a minute before it, like, clicks that you cannot be the best mom to your children if you're not being the best woman to yourself. Oh, yeah. You know how long it took me to mm-hmm. realize that mm-hmm. I cannot be a good mom until I'm a good person. That's right. And it took me up until two years or a year ago. I want It feels like longer because once I got it, I got it down back. I want to say uh, in 20, well, I guess I started in 2021 when I, when me and my um, ex officially broke up and moved out of the house and all of that happened. I had devoted, and I talked to you about this before, I had devoted so much time into being a mom, into being a girlfriend, and it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. You know, my son was failing at school, at everything. Um, there was situations with him and my daughter um, you know, I didn't know what was going on with him. Um, social services got involved. It was, you know, my relationship was in my mind over, you know, and while I had tried to maintain control and only do all of that, I had lost it anyway. So it's like, then when you lose everything that you worked on and you mm-hmm. don't have yourself, then you feel like you have nothing. And it took me a while to build up. It started with my first trip by myself was to Miami. And it was because my ex had went for his birthday. Some girl flew him out to Chicago and they had like a great old time. And I was like, what? You know, (laughs) I was destroyed, but I was determined like, oh, ain't no way. I'm going to have to outdo that. And I flew myself to Miami and 2.2 weeks later, honey, I I was gone. Our birthdays are a month apart. But, and so I might not did it for the right reasons, but that's what kicked it off. (laughs) (laughs) For me, you know, I took that trip and honestly, a part of the trip, I was sad. You know, I was like crying. I was sad. I wish that Mm -hmm. I had had him with me and all of that but what I realized is that I can do this like that's what self care is for me mm-hmm. it's realizing that you got this because everything that you want somebody to do for you you can literally do for yourself and from that moment mm. on I've taken trips alone I just went for my um friend's wedding uh I was speaking I, I write poems and things like that also so I had wrote a poem that I was speaking at her wedding and me and my ex were supposed to go together but at this particular time we wasn't speaking this was just a couple months ago and I went by myself two years ago I would have never I'd have told her sorry ma'am I can't speak at the wedding I'm not coming. I'd have, I'd have forfeited that $2,000 that was for Jamaica. 
because that's just how deep I felt about not being alone, not being comfortable with myself. But two years later, I hopped mm-hmm. on that plane <laughs> and I enjoyed five days in, in Jamaica. That's right. <laughs> because what? You know what I mean? Like, and it was hard. You know, when we got there, you know, his name, it was on everything. And, you know, like they have like the little uh, table placements and his name's on it. So it was it was hard for that. But at the end of the day, once you realize that all you got is you, and if you don't pour into you, you cannot pour into anybody else, you will start making it a priority yep. to take care of you first. And the only way I had to learn that was to hit mm-hmm. rock bottom for everything and everybody to go away, to disappear, for the kids to be all out of whack, for the relationship to be out of whack. And that's all I had ever lived for. And then I started realizing, Ty, you got to live for you. When I got that in my mind, oh, I was upset. Well, it doesn't mean that the stuff doesn't still hurt. But what I always like to tell people is we live a life, life in general is hard. It just depends on what hard is to you. So we live this life, we build up all this pressure inside of us. And if you don't have an outlet to release some of that pressure, you're going to explode. And so right after I took that trip to Miami, I started going out all the time, partying. Again, might not have been for the right reasons, but for me, I was releasing. I was releasing a lot of stress. I was doing what I wanted to do in that moment, right, wrong, or indifferent to anybody else. Of course, my kids were still taken care of, and you know, I made sure I did my due diligence with everything, but I know all the time. I travel all the time. I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> if it, I gave what I started doing was giving life, giving all my responsibility, mm-hmm. my bare minimum, and giving myself the maximum. Now, I have kind of balanced it out because I had to go through that phase. So, and I'm also more focused on what I want more. So for me, building my business is self-care, you know, speaking to women, um, teaching, helping, um, all of that is self-care for me. I I do still go out, you know, once or twice a week um, just to go out to eat and drink and listen to music. Um, And I still travel when I want to, but it's not as important as it was for me back then. Right Back then, I had a lot of pressure to release, and I released it. Now it's a balance, but I still put myself mm-hmm. first. You know, I still will make sure that yes, my kids are taken care of, but I think about myself before I say, can I commit to uh, my daughter doing five days a week in dance? Do I really feel like that type of commitment? Like I, I, I consider myself mm-hmm. that's self care too. You know, not just doing things, but actually stepping back and saying, do you really want to commit to this? Are they going to die if you don't commit to it? You know, because sometimes as parents, we just do. Mm -hmm. You know, we just go. And, you know, my son is in military school in Aberdeen. um, But 
he's only 16. So when he comes home with his GED, I have to be prepared. So for me, my thought before I sent him to military school was, are you really going to want to do all that's going to take to put him back on the right track when he come home? Are you going to want to, you know, deal with your daughter and your son possibly in two different households? All of that was a factor for me. And so for me, self-care is not only taking a trip or having a glass of wine or any of that. Like I, right now we're moving into a house and I refuse to move into anything less than a four bedroom or a three bedroom with a finished basement because I need an altar. You know, I need an office. I need a space that's just for me. And like I said, it's not always going out Mm -hmm. traveling or taking a bubble bath. Sometimes it's just saying, hey, what do you want first? Because these kids, they going to go with, and I had to learn it too, your kids going to go with whatever you going with. You know, like, they're going to flow with you because they are yours. My kids Mm -hmm. are so adaptable. They have never lacked for anything. They have Mm -hmm. never wanted anything. And anything I do, they have never suffered. But once I started considering myself, yeah, when I was taking my trips, my daughter would be like, you leaving again? Yes, and you can FaceTime me. Yeah, you'll see me. (laughs) Like, you know, so it's just, you know, now it's more so of a routine to where now she knows. Did she die? Absolutely not. Now she knows when I tell her I'm taking a trip or, hey, tonight's mommy night to go out. Um, You know, call me if you need me. Most of the time, she on her way to bed anyway. But, you know, if you need me, I'll be around the corner at the restaurant getting some food. Whatever. You know, sometimes you have a Well, you ain't buy me no dinner today. So now I have this thing where when I want to go out, I make sure I buy her her favorite meal. So she have her favorite thing. And then I'm out. I'm, I'm going to see you. All right? Like, you know, but I think self-care is really about prioritizing yourself. So... Thinking about you first. So when you ask, like, well, should we do that ahead of everybody else? Absolutely. Because you're the one that has to give, give, give. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have anything to give, it's going to be a problem. Maybe not today, but you're going to look up and them kids going to be 10, 12, 15, and you're going to be tired, boss. Mm-hmm. You will need a several naps. <laughs> several naps. Look, so I'm going to jump into our next topic, our final topic. <clears throat> and it's with the challenging traditional gender roles. We spoke about it a little bit at the beginning. But, you know, I like to ask questions that I feel like ain't nobody going to ask. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> while witnessing societal shifts like stay-at-home dads, same-sex parents, or non-binary parents, along with traditional gender roles, how do they impact mommy guilt? Give me one reason from each of you. One. 
Mm. I, I mean, you know what? For me, <laughs> I really think the biggest thing that a that is affected by all of these non-traditional gender roles is the perception that your kids receive. When we were growing up, we didn't have so much exposure to different things. Um, You know, it was man, woman, Mm -hmm. and, you know, everything else was kind of shunned or not thought of or it was kept a secret. So, or even social media wasn't a thing, you know, so you didn't have to worry about your kids seeing all of these different things. And I know for me, um, I felt like, especially with my son, not so much with my daughter now, but because um, my son was so, he was influenced by so much. He went through a lot just, by watching um, non-traditional households like or having friends that had um, non-traditional households or uh, kids that were allowed to be uh, them, what is it, them, they, or whatever, you know, and and parents that uh, were same-sex and all of the the societal norms that are now you know him trying to figure out it it took a lot for him to try to figure out now who he is what his household was supposed to be or you know what that meant for him or how he had to fit in with his friends and that was a big challenge for me because at one point Mm -hmm. I had to decide um if I was going to be okay with him wanting to be gay wanting to uh, experience different things that he had seen in his friends' households and, you know, or asking questions and bringing that type of thing back home. And I struggled with it because obviously I wasn't raised that way. My household isn't that way. And when it's brought to your front door, you always say, like, when it's over there, it's fine, right? Then when it come over here, it's like, oh, I got to deal with that right here and like right now. So it took a lot. But because I was always an advocate for my kids being able to express themselves, I really had to try hard to take myself out of the Mm -hmm. equation and do what I felt like they or support them Mm -hmm. and what I felt like they wanted to try or do or be um and that gets hard because in your mind you have an idea for how you think this is going to go as a parent and then sometimes you try to force that mentality onto them and then when they don't take well to it or you know in my son's in my son's situation he kind of felt like we didn't accept all the things that he wanted to try or all his friends and you know um, he, you know, oh, well, you know, my friend, whoever, he has two dads and, you know, I'm, you know, it influences them about what they then want to do. Um, so I had to learn to accept it. And it was hard because at first I didn't want to, um, just because again, of that societal norm of raising a straight male mm-hmm. and making sure that he's successful 
He has a girlfriend that he's mm-hmm. going to prom with. He's going to grow up, go to college, mm-hmm. get married, have babies. And that mm-hmm. is the successful life, right? But when you have all of these other um, ideas and values and, and lifestyles in the mix, now you got to shape your reality. And I struggled with that for a long time because I didn't want to be looked at as a failure, or I felt guilty because, um, right. you know, I felt like I failed him when when he decided he wanted to be gay. Because I knew what would come with that. People would tease him or, um, you know, just the lifestyle that the, it, it would bring a harder lifestyle in my mind for him. So now I feel like I got to fight against it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the more you, the more I fought against it, the more he wanted to do it. <laughs> you know, so now I'm strong, I'm pushing back and forth with both, both ways. So when I decided to finally just say, listen, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be your son regardless and we're going to deal with it as it comes. But it took a lot of strength and it took a couple of years all for him to decide that he don't want to be gay and now he got a girlfriend and you know now I feel like I just you know I went through all that stress for nothing but you know whatever you know, kids, kids move they, they do all of these things they you know they change their mind and it's just the way society is now but people don't say it because they're ashamed to say it right they're ashamed to say that they are scared to embrace a gay society or non-binary and things like that. They are afraid to say that they wouldn't accept their child. But in the back of people's mind, they make fun of gay males. You know, they make fun of those same-sex households and those mm-hmm. they, them, and, you know, all, all they make fun of those people. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, see, each his own to kind of smooth it out. You know what I mean? But as a parent, that's something real that you have to really decide to accept about your child when you have been taught, like I said, to raise either a straight male to be this alpha male or this feminine female who's going to grow up and get married to a good man and go to college and have her babies. And what happens when she wants to be a male? Or when she doesn't want to be identified as that at all because her friends over here, they grew up not having to worry about that. It's just hard, especially when not only is society trying to still keep it mainstream and traditional, but then those that are non-binary, those that are gay, or those that do have different beliefs, they are fighting for that space. So if you say anything out of the ordinary, out of that space, now you got to fight against the traditions <laughs> and you got to fight against the people that, you know, that you're speaking out, quote unquote, against. And as a parent, you only want what's best for your child. So it just gets, it gets sticky. You know, my daughter doesn't have those um, issues, but even with her sometimes, like, she she likes wearing oversized clothes. She's not really that feminine. She hates earrings and you know, 
she she has you know she has her own style and sometimes I find myself having to pull back because I'm like oh put some earrings on or you know wear mm-hmm. your hair like this or do what I, and I have to fight against that because she's seeing so many different traditions and lifestyles and they are only trying to find it's over they're overloaded so they're just trying to find their own way and we, we didn't have that. Yeah, you know, we just were taught to be a girl or be a boy. That's it. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't no uh, extra mm-hmm. stuff. So in our mind, we don't we don't comprehend it. But in their mind, this is what they were taught. This is how this is the lifestyle that they are growing up in. So it kind of it kind of gets sticky. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't have an answer for it. All it I definitely is, gets sticky. It gets sticky, but all I know is my kids gonna be my kids, and anybody gonna play with them, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> That's it. That's all I know. <laughs> Carla, what's your take on the these societal shifts that's been witnessed? I mean. You know, the shifts that's taking place in society, especially as it relates to, um, you know, all the sexuality or anything that's happening, a lot of it comes from, you know, like exposure. You know what I mean? There's so many platforms for um, for children and parents and, and everybody to, to be um, preview to a lot more information, whether that be good, whether it be bad. Um, and for me, you know, one of the things that that I struggle with because, um, you know, I dated women, you know, in my high school and college. One of the things that I struggled with was trying to wanted to make sure that I didn't influence my children in in any way outside of what they wanted to do. You know what I mean? I didn't want necessarily my sexual preferences to um influence them without them developing their own thoughts their own character their own personality uh and so i think in some instances i may have i don't want to say neglected my own heart or you know things that i may have just stopped abruptly like i was dating women for a long time you know what i mean like all high school or two years of college you know what i mean until i got pregnant with my son and when it happened, I was just like, oh, okay, I had a boy. Like, even listening to Ty, you know, to, to you speak, and even knowing, um, Tia, that you're in a same-sex marriage, uh, it, it's, it's almost like um, I'm, I'm able to see both sides so clearly because of the lifestyle that I've lived. But initially, I'm like, oh, no, nah, I can't have my son. Uh, and, and this sounds, when I look back, my son's 20 now. It sounds so ignorant, what I'm about to say. You know what I mean? But in my mind, I'm like, listen, you got to crack down. You can't be having your son thinking that the way you're living is the way that he has to live, too. I want him to develop his own personality. Now, my best friend, she's his godmother, and she's you know, always had a same-sex you know, relationship. She's on her second marriage. So he's always seen that. And I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Because... She's an upstanding woman. They have a great, they had a great lifestyle, all those things. But in my own household, I felt like 
I could that could have played a role. Mm -hmm. Do I feel that today? No. You know what I mean? To be honest, I felt like that was just at 20, right. you know, yeah. I was 20 years old. You know what I mean? I was more um, influenced by societal norms. You know what I mean? Even though I thought I wasn't because I was marching to my own beat, when I became a right. mother, something about that triggered me thinking like, oh, I like I have to follow society and I have to do it like my mom did and I have to do it like my dad. It's pressure. Yeah, the pressure. You know, mm -hmm. and so as I grew, I'm like, wait a minute, what am I talking about? My son, my daughter, he's all who he's going to be. My daughter is all who she's going to be. You know what I mean? And and of course, yes, I do believe that some children can be influenced, like like you said, Ty, by some of the things that they've seen, some of the experiences that they've, you know, um, been through. And in some instances, kids are being molested and they're being, you know, overly exposed to sexuality. And so it's yeah. it's really redefining the way that they look yeah. at themselves and the way that they should be treated. So and all of that is because of exposure, like you said. Exposure. Saying. It's all because of the exposure. And I think that the shift really started to take the, the shift really starts to take place when you decide to feed in to the societal norms, like like think about it. Like how soon did we really start letting our kids get social media and, mm -hmm. and cell phones? And mm -hmm. watching TV and you know what I mean and hanging out with their friends and all the things that we know are creating more and more negative influences. Cause let me tell you something, my mother she TV first of all, I couldn't I had got in trouble, I got punished one day for whatever it was at school, and then I couldn't talk on the phone for the you know during the week. This was ninth, this was like ninth grade or tenth grade, like the right. middle of ninth grade. After punishment was over, my dad said, you know, I kind of like that rule. <laughs> he said, no more talking on the phone during no the, the phone. <laughs> almost until the eleventh grade. All tenth grade. He Come just on, made that up as he went along. Like. Made it up as he went along. He took all time frames off the punishment and was like, "This is just a new rule. This is just the new norm now." And so I couldn't have phone calls during the week. You know what I mean? And if if someone called my phone during the week, I couldn't have phone calls on the weekend oh. because that means I'm not mm. letting people. Oh, what's going on with the rules? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making sure they following. So, baby, I would tell at at four thirty, at five o'clock, thirty Funny. minutes before my mother was getting home, I would be. I'll call all my friends. Bitch, don't call me, girl. You better not call this phone. I call my little boyfriends. Listen, um. Um, I can't, you know, I got, I got, I got to go to work or I got to yeah. go work or you know what I'm saying. Whatever, I got to watch my little brother. I can't be on the phone. Whatever the case was, do not call this phone. Do not call this phone. And that's what I mean. Like we didn't, you know, that's the same thing with like my grandmother growing up in high school. I she didn't buy me, she would not buy me a cell phone. Like she was against it. And so if I wanted a cell phone, I had to buy it and pay my own bill, you know, and even then I still had rules about how long I could stay on the phone or I wasn't, it wasn't until 12th grade that I got my own, my phone and my own line 
in the house in my house. Work. Yeah, I never. You know, I, like, I understand that. Me too. Me too. See, yeah, yeah, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't have you know I, I couldn't have my own line and all of that and and so like you said it's it's a different they're exposed and a lot of that is is contributed to mommy guilt because everybody is trying to give their kids something to make sure that they don't feel left out or out of place. That's the crazy thing about it. We yep. are thinking that if our kids go to school without a cell phone. All the other kids got a cell phone. Now, our kids going to get teased because they don't have a cell phone. So now I got to get my child a cell phone because I don't want them to be teased in school. Or I can't send my kids to school in a certain type of outfit because this is what they're wearing now. So now I have to keep up so that my child don't feel left out or feel... uh, bullied or whatever the case may be. Or neglected. Yeah, we have decided that everybody else is doing it. We just want our kids to fit in. We want them to feel normal. But then in the same aspect, that's not really teaching them to be authentically their self. And that's how we are putting our Mm -hmm. own thoughts and feelings and ideas into their brain. You know, um, you know, me and Tia had this conversation last night. I, I like women. I will, I, I don't necessarily want to be in a relationship with them for my own personal reasons, but <laughs> I have sex with women. I, you know, I deal with women on a regular basis. I genuinely, I have never thought about not, if I had someone, not having them around my child. But to Carla's uh, statement, when I had my son, I didn't want him to be gay. Not because I was, a, you know, didn't like gay men or didn't like gay people, but because I was taught that you raise a straight man. You raise an alpha male to grow mm-hmm. up, to provide, to take care of. And that is the only way. You know what I mean? We were conditioned to say that that was the only way a man can be and the only way a female can be is a feminine woman who is submissive to that man. That is it. And whether or not we started seeing all of these different lifestyles, once you are conditioned to feel that way, you don't even realize how you're, you know, just like you say, oh, boys don't cry. Like, you know, you teach them not to cry. Toughen up. Do this. Do that. You know, my, you know, my son hated sports. Oh, my goodness. He did not want to play football. He didn't want to play nothing aggressive. He is not an aggressive child. And I put that boy in foot. You're going to play football because it's going to toughen you up. It's going to give you some discipline. It's going to do this. He hated it. Oh my goodness, it was a fight, you know. But in my mind, that was what men, what boys did. They boys played did. football. It was That's right. you know? mm-hmm. They they did all of those things, and so we we put that pressure on ourselves and ultimately on our kids because we want to make sure that they don't feel left out. But life is changing. And the new norms and the way that non-binary and the LGB, I don't know all the symbols, so forgive me, but, you know, the way that they are fighting, 
for their uh, <laughs> rights and to live the way they want to live, life is changing. You know what I mean? So what we thought was the new norm is no longer mm-hmm. the new norm. And had I shunned my son out and said, no, you can't be gay. You know, like, absolutely not. Had I done that, he would have felt left out because all his friends have households where their families are doing mm-hmm. it and they allow their kids to do it. But me, I'm so stuck in my own straight and narrow path of what I gotta do that I'm not listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can y'all hear me? I, I can, but I... you know, oh, for me, yeah, we can hear you. Okay, my my screen froze up, so I don't know if y'all can see me. Either. I can see you. It is frozen. Oh, okay. You said it is frozen. It is frozen. Yeah, I can see I can... it's frozen. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I can hear y'all, but everything's frozen, so I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 no worries. No worries. Um, yeah, those conditions and like I was saying, normal is boring over here. So yeah. I look for different. I want you to do your own thing. Don't follow what I'm doing because I'm mommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't don't do that. Yeah. I need you to be your own person. No matter what you see out here in this world, you need to be you. Are you comfortable with that? Is it worth it to you? Do you want to spend that excessive time doing that? Those are the thoughts that I really put into my child's head. What are you thinking about? Because at the end of the day, the choices you make, you got to deal with it. Not not me. This is your life to live, you know? I'm here to guide you along the way. And once we decide that that's what, what, so, what it is. I appreciate you guys sharing your thoughts with me on that. Once we decide that that's what it is. Go ahead. But, I'm sorry, Ty. I can you know people for our kids anyway. And we decide that we want them to live their life mm-hmm. authentically. I feel like it makes it easier for them. And I, and I always call my son my trial run baby yeah. because I didn't know. You know, we was figuring life out together. Um, but he is the one yeah. that yeah. follows behind everybody. He's the one that kind of, he's easily influenced. He doesn't really have his own path. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm constantly mm-hmm. thought-provoking him as far as, what do you now, you know, whereas back then I wanted him to do what I wanted him to do. And I feel like that's why he's so easily influenced, you know, but now at 16 and me being, you know, wiser, I am thought provoking him more. Like, what do you want? You know, is this what you really want? You know, like he doesn't like school, but he'll tell me well, when I finish um, in military school, when I, when I get my diploma, I want to go to college. And I'm like, you don't even like school. He's like, well, I want to prove to you that I can I can do it. I can pass my classes and I can graduate. I'm like, that's all fine and dandy, but if you don't like it, don't do it. You know, whereas my daughter, she's a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. She been planned her life from now all the way to 25, and you can't tell her that she can't do it. 
you know, so, you know, it's just, it's a different method. I raised them a little bit differently, but it's because with my son, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't as knowledgeable, you know, as I am now. I was more naive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a discussion. What a discussion. My do not. I don't have anything else that I could put towards that. It's nothing but realness being said tonight. You know, it's authentic, just how I like it. Always, man. Always. I thank you guys so much. I thank you guys so much. Hopefully, Carla comes back in here before we close out. But you know, I'm about to do my little spiel. Do you have anything else that you would like to share, or do you have someone that you would like to give flowers to? I'm gonna give flowers to myself. Time speaks has come a long way. You know, the last time I was on here, I, I, you know, I did thank everybody. And that's important because a lot of people got me to where I am, especially, you know, I always praise my ex, even though, um, you know, sometimes I hate his guts. Uh, we are a partnership that for whatever reason, I can't seem to break away from. He's pretty influential in my life. But at the same time, um, know i have brought myself a long way so i always gotta give myself my flowers um while i'm still here because that's a part of self-care mm-hmm. there she is yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm a little tech savvy i had to figure that one out a little <laughs> and um yeah so just myself um and you know um my business is taking off my my manifestation candles, the life coaching, all of that is taking off. And I'm just so grateful to be able to um, be a part of conversations like this because um, this is what I do on a regular basis. Like I just sit online and talk to, to the people that, you know, people, people will never um, say. We say the things I think as um, but as the influencers, we say the things that people don't normally say. And so um, being a part of panels, discussions, and podcasts mm-hmm. like this um, is important. Um, so giving myself my flowers and you ladies, because it's, it takes a lot to come in and talk about even the littlest part of your personal life and opening up and, and allowing people to mm-hmm. see how you got to where you are. Yeah, I agree. So the question was, um, do you have anything else that you would like to share, Carla? Or, um, I see that sage going. Or is there anyone that you'd like to give flowers to before we close out? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, definitely giving flowers to you. You know what I mean? Uh, we work together in um, other capacities um, and on other business ventures. So I already know that you are um, a mompreneur. You know what I mean? I already know that you are a boss in your own right in multiple industries. And I just want to give you your flowers because 
doing something like this, the key to this um, and anything that's worth having is consistency. And um, the value of consistency, especially in podcasts, um, goes unmentioned, you know, un, 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 unappreciated, you know, because there are people who we see who have podcasts that have been on for several years um, and we don't know the price that they paid in order to have the success of where they are now. So I just want to say to you as somebody who um, has worked with you in other capacities that I'm extremely proud of you for your consistency, uh, for your dedication to this. This is something that you have talked about for a couple years. And I've known that you wanted to do this for a while now. So uh, it really takes, um, it takes a little bit of um, smarts mixed with a little bit of crazy <laughs> um, to jump out there and actually do something. Um, you think about um, success um, and the average successful person, what makes them different um, from anybody else is the fact that they can see something that they're envisioning long before it actually manifests into what they want it to be, what it's supposed to be. So the average person, they dream, but they don't really believe that that shit could happen. You know? But a successful person is already successful long before the success actually catches up with them. Uh, and so I see what you're doing and uh, I recognize that and I'm constantly sending um, love and light your way. Uh, so I definitely wanted to, you know, um, say something about that. Um, but I also wanted to um, mention um, the fact that um, two things. Um, one, um, I'm doing an event on December 10th that I wanted to plug you guys into. And it's something simple. It's a headshot happy hour. So with both of you guys being entrepreneurs, I know that okay. um, come 2024, a lot of people are looking to rebrand and um you know reposition themselves within their businesses so i'm having an event on december 10th um from 6 30 to 9 30 i'll make sure i get the flyer to you guys so you can send it out there to your network um but it's really just going to be a, a headshot happy hour where you can come mix and mingle get your headshot done uh and then meet some other um you know people in in the entrepreneurial world or in the business industry so i would love for y'all to come to that uh, and then, um, two, as you know, um, T, I'm constantly, constantly representing um, entrepreneurship, and I am uh, in network marketing. Uh, I also help entrepreneurs um, create additional streams of income. So um, I definitely, tell I got to connect with you for sure. Like, I've been thinking about connecting yes. with you the last time. So you're connected with all the right people. She is doing an amazing job connecting the dots with each other. So um, one and one of the one of the concepts of my business, business beauties, um, the our you know what we do is connect, collaborate, and promote together. You know what wow. I mean? And, and that's really the whole the whole concept. And here you are absolutely the prime example of what a business beauty represents. You know, you may see the yeah. beauty. 
my our, our model is you may see the beauty, but it's business first. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you providing us. Yes, I love it. Thank you. Yes, it's always a nice platform. It's I, I, I love it. I um I think it's an awesome idea. And I work with um women, you know, I have a I have a networking league here in Baltimore that I work with that is full of entrepreneurs. Like I just love working with women and not to take away from other races, but I genuinely enjoy working with other black women. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy helping other women who don't really have Mm -hmm. that voice. You know, it, because not everybody is going to have it. Not mm-hmm. everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also, they are the same people that need to feel like they aren't alone, which is why I don't mind being a voice. Um, and which is why I do what I do. You know, like my manifestation candles aren't just, and I had to say that on my post one time, like, you know, this isn't just candles that smell nice. You know, these are for people that really feel like they need to connect with something deeper to find peace, to find grounding, to find balance, to find whatever it is that they need to find, you know, that they Mm -hmm. aren't able to find in other areas of their life. And I don't mind saying that I had to tell my mother this today because she was like, I mean, I love that you tell your story, but I just don't like that you put it all on social media and this, that, and the third. And I had to tell her, like, you know, I'm not for everybody. My products aren't for everybody. But I promise you that I will find that my products will find who is meant to find and will help who is meant to help. And that's it. And that's all we can do. And so platforms like these, whether it reaches 10, 20, 10,000 or 20,000 people, I'm satisfied. I I get so many DMs um, from people, sometimes the same people who are like, you know, you're just such an inspiration. I'm like, I ain't done nothing but talk crap and talk shit on social media today, but you know, you're welcome. <laughs> you never know. You never know who you're impacting. You never know who you're <laughs> your story might reveal you know what I mean so this is is an awesome platform and I'm just grateful I'm on always every time you ask the answer is yes yes (laughs) oh and lastly I do have one final little shout out um the month of November (laughs) the month of November is really big for my family and I and this year um right I think it was um Right the day before Thanksgiving, we celebrated 12 years of my son being cancer free. So I just want to give him a shout out. He probably can hear me upstairs. Yes. <laughs> um, just celebrating him being cancer. Shout out to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yes, this topic was so on point to you. It was perfect. It's exactly is 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 really helping me because of the things that I'm going through right now, you know, with the co-parenting and the mommy guilt and raising a young adult mm-hmm. and raising a young teenager. You know. So mm-hmm. those those things that were that are happening in our lives right now, this platform and this conversation was the perfect therapeutic self-care informative event that I needed. I mean, it really was. <laughs> it really is. 
I'm yeah. telling you, people don't understand what self care is. It could be anything, anything, anything. anything. Self care, listen. Self care can be something as small as sitting in your car an extra twenty minutes before you get out, just to woof saw. And I do that daily. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. This can't smell like something, even though it's supposed to be unscented. So I'm just smelling it because it smells good. It says, "I mean, I made it, obviously." But <laughs> But I'm just sitting here like, what I put in here? Like surprise. That's a nice blend, honey. That's a nice blend. I thought it, it stayed unscented on the cat. I promise. Don't Listen, don't worry, y'all. Name, I'm gonna make sure you I get your candles right. You can name that. You, you can name that one. No more mommy guilt. No, no more. more mommy, that's guilt. it. Because that's what, whatever it is. I don't know. You know, I I try to. I think. I put just use unscented on my own labels when I make I be mixing all types of stuff over here, but that one I was like I ain't never smelled that before I don't know what it, what I put in there I might go find mm -hmm. that. <laughs> it's giving different. <laughs> yeah, one of a kind, never to be duplicated. Well, yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, most definitely shout out to that big boy of yours, Cancer Free, and congratulations yes. to you, Torch Mom, holding it down, okay? Because yes. he's yes. getting grown now. 20 years old, grown, grown, grown. <laughs> Him getting grown now, that's what's up. That's what's up. 12 years in the running. Well, I thank you guys so much for sharing space with me tonight. I truly appreciate your energy and time. So, negativity is forbidden and energy is power. Didn't have a backstage pass. To check out the live stream, it'll be available for viewing on our YouTube channel, The Torch Mom Podcast. So be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Instagram at The Torch Mom Podcast. If you have any experiences or questions to share, send us an email to thetorchmompodcast at gmail.com. Remember, what you desire, you already have. We love you. Stay torched.